Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we discuss, educate and talk about industry news and hot topics, company reviews and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International. With a career covering nearly two decades, Mining International partners with new and junior miners and larger predominant players in the market. With no further ado, here is your host, Rob Tyson. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep the Mining Podcast. I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas and New Year and eager to start 2020 with a bang. Um, today's guest is, I was going to say he's a bit unusual, but he's not unusual, um, but in the sense that he happens to same, uh, share the same name as me. So um, I'd like to introduce Rob Tyson, um, who is the Managing Director of Pill Mining Limited, an Australian-owned uh, company focusing on exploring and developing precious base metals resources in New South Wales in Australia. Um, Pill's listed on the Australian Stock Exchange and is continuing to build shareholder value by recognising, enhancing and developing undervalued mineral resources assets and has three base and precious metals projects within Australia. So I want to kick off this first episode of 2020 um, and I'd like to welcome Rob Tyson. How you doing, Rob? I'm very well, Rob Tyson. It's a bit strange, isn't it? It certainly is. I was I was wondering how how we're gonna how we're gonna start this and introduce Rob Tyson to Rob Tyson, but that's done now. <laughs> so wasn't well, too I've, much I've of it. I've now met my doppelganger, which is good. <laughs> yeah, and like I said to you uh, previously when we've spoke, um, I'm sure there's another Rob Tyson, and I'm sure he's based in Canada uh, because I've had people come up to me. Um, and I don't know if he's from the finance industry, but if Rob Tyson is listening or anyone knows another Rob Tyson, they'd be interested to know exactly who it is. And maybe he wants to come on the podcast as well. So, um, yeah, so I'm reaching out to the audience for that. So enough of that. Um, and yeah, so I want to kick off this podcast and um, how I do most post po uh, podcast is um, for yourself to give a little bit about your background obviously from i understand obviously you're a geologist so from when you graduated how your career developed to where you are today and then i've got some questions around from now moving forward so yeah so i'd like to uh, so kick off a little bit about yourself sure okay well look um uh, look it goes back to probably initially my old man having a, a rock collection when i was when I was a kid and I used to pour through it and I thought it was pretty interesting. And, uh, and then I did Cub Scouts as well around then and I always loved the outdoors. And then I had a great science teacher in year 10 who said, have any of you guys thought about doing geology? It's the only job I know where you get paid to go camping. <laughs> and I went, well, all this is marrying up pretty well. Um, so look, uh, yeah, studied geology in Queensland at, uh, in Brisbane. Queensland University of Technology, and uh, been working in the industry since the early 90s, uh, predominantly gold and base metal exploration. Um, and yeah, very privileged to be in a geo uh, over here. It's been a lot of fun over the last sort of two, three decades. So that's sort of 
how I got into it. Um, I've always worked in Australia, uh, Western Australia and, and Queensland and New South Wales are the sort of the areas I've worked in. Um, and base metals and gold are certainly the the metals that I like to look for. Yeah. And what's the what's the companies you work for? So just a, again, a brief outline of the companies and how you move from one company to another and why you potentially move from one company um, like yeah. up to where you are now. Look, I started up uh, in North Queensland with a company called Cypress and they had a, a copper gold mine up there called Selwyn. So I was a student geo up there for a year and I loved that. Uh, it was pretty remote and uh, in those days, no mobile phones. And I think we had one GPS between a lot of us. Um, so it was, it was a different time in exploration. Um, uh, then I went to Queensland Metals Corp, and I, which was in central Queensland near Rockhampton. Uh, did some base metals and gold exploration there. And, uh, and then I moved to Western Australia and it was meant to be a three week holiday. Um, but the first week I was there, I uh, met my future wife and got a job and, and uh, que sera, sera, as they say. And you're still um, there now. <laughs> And I'm still here now, yep. Um, look, in, in WA, I've been working for uh, quite a few companies. Normandy, uh, I worked at a base metals mine called Golden Grove, which Normandy owned. And then I worked in their gold exploration team for a while. Um, Equigold, um, which was a fantastic experience, even though it was quite short. And, uh, and then, look, sort of 13, 14 years ago, I started uh, Peel Mining with the chairman of the company, a guy called Simon Hadfield. So uh, we sort of um, started with some moose pasture in in uh, New South Wales, or, or probably more correctly, kangaroo pasture, and um, and we've progressed since there. And we've been very very lucky to be able to make discoveries over the last sort of seven eight years that have really uh, really kept the company firing along. Yeah. Um and obviously, can you just give the audience a, a brief overview about pill mining um, and I suppose some of the projects that your company involved in at the moment? Yeah, so look, the company started, uh, the name Peel uh, comes from a, an area in northern New South Wales. Um, we we're actually exploring along the Peel Fault, so it's a geological structure. Um, but that whole part of the world, everything's half named Peel, Peel River, the Peel Valley, um, etc. So uh, we started life there, um, but we quickly moved west, uh, out to uh, western or central western New South Wales, about eight hours from Sydney, uh, pretty much directly west, um, to a place called the Cobar Basin. We've been there since about 2010. Um, and yeah, look, we've made it our home. Um, we've, we've made three discoveries. The Cobar Basin is uh, a prolific sort of base metal and precious metal rich basin. It's sort of second richest part of New South Wales after Broken Hill, um, which was obviously a monster uh, deposit. So um, look, Cobar's got uh, four operational mines at the minute. One's about to shut down. Um, so it'll drop back to three, uh, but they're all long-life mines. Uh, Cobar itself, I mean, I think they're celebrating 150 years of mining this year. So, you know, it's an old mining centre in, in Australia. Um, the key to the deposits in the district are their 
they're high grade. Um, they're usually fairly modest tons. Uh, typically, they're all underground, but um, the deposits are high grade by global standards. And certainly, our exploration experience is exactly that. We've had some phenomenal draw hits over the over the years, and and uh, look, we're I guess we're getting at that pointy end now, where you know the ultimate test of an exploration company is uh, going mining, and uh, we're on the cusp of uh, moving into mine development. We believe. Yeah. Um, and how did Pearl come to exploring the Cobar Basin? And I suppose what makes it so special? Yeah, look, we, we um, I guess it's, it's, it's an area that's got this mining pedigree. It's got this mining history, which is what, what attracted us to the area. Uh, when we got there, there were some very large Australian companies, MMG and Oz Minerals, sort of exploring the regional tenure. Uh, but no one had had a lot of, well, no one had had any real success exploration-wise for decades in that part of the world, and it sort of speaks to the the style of deposits that occur. They tend to be these pipe-like structures that uh, can have really short strike length, but they sort of go to the centre of the earth. You know, um, the CSA mine, which is owned by Glencore uh, in town uh, in Cobar itself. It's down to nearly two kilometres below surface, so it's one of the deepest mines in Australia, very old mine too. Also, pretty much the highest grade copper mine in Australia over the last decade or so. Um, so we were attracted to it by, I guess, those features. Um, we got lucky, we beat MMG, we, we applied for an exploration licence, we beat them by three days, and it was granted on my birthday as it happens. Um, so that was a good omen. Yeah. And look, it, it ended up having a, a fantastic discovery called Mallee Bull, um, which is a copper-rich um, Cobar-style system, as we call it. So um, that's how we sort of ended up there. And we started with an 80-square-kilometre exploration licence, and we've gone on to put together about 4,000 square kilometres of more or less contiguous uh, tenure. And... Um, yeah, look, it's it's a great place to work. Really good infrastructure. Um, the people are friendly to mining out there. Um, and number one, the geology is brilliant. You know, we've made three discoveries over seven years, so I certainly think we're good at what we do. But I, I know the game well enough to know that there's always an element of luck in it. Yeah. And do you have any sort of project criteria? Obviously, I know you're you you're in a particular area. But do you have a sort of a, a project criteria that you follow or is it just because you found one one deposit and you're looking at others in the surrounding area? Yeah, look, I guess the criteria is it has to, you know, you, you want stuff that makes sense, you know. It's got to be close by. And, and look, our part of the world, look, we're open-minded. We'll take anything that's economic, you know. We don't pigeonhole ourselves. We're really mindful that... Uh, you shouldn't pigeonhole yourself because I think a lot of a lot of prospectivity gets left on the shelf when you do that. Um, so we've always kept an open mind. But look, yeah, certainly in terms of a criteria around um, you know how we select projects, it has to make sense uh, supporting your activities or what you're doing. So we we keep our focus quite sharp on that Cobar Basin area. Um, we don't want to spread ourselves thin and have projects all around Australia or the country or New South Wales, even for that matter. 
we, we keep sort of a laser focus on the area of interest and, and make sure we're not, uh, not distracting ourselves too much. Yeah. And what challenges are you facing working in Cobar? Oh, look, you would have seen the bushfires over here. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and certainly there's been a huge amount of dust storms. There's, there's a big drought on over here and they, they come every decade more or less. But this is a particularly bad one. So we're very mindful of the fact that we're operating on a lot of farming property um, and we try to help out the farmers as best we can. Uh, you know, we drill water bores occasionally and things like that as part of our compensation and, and assistance, uh, you know, for working on these properties. Um, you know, but the drought's certainly a big issue over here at the moment. Water is a huge topic, um, water demand. So we have to be mindful of that going forward and how we're going to source our water for any any successful mine developments that we'll have in the future. Um, uh, otherwise, look, New South Wales is a great place to work. The geology is fantastic. And, and look, generally, the, the regulatory regime is good, but it is, it's, um, you know, in terms of places to operate, there's a, it's a fairly hefty checklist that you have to go through to operate um, successfully and, and meet all the requirements, statutory and otherwise. So, you know, that, that can be a bit of a challenge. Probably the biggest challenge, though, to be honest, is funding the work that we do. You know, the equity markets over the last decade haven't been haven't been sensational. You know, commodity prices sort of spike up here and there, but they don't tend to last. So uh, people's focus and attention uh, doesn't really hang about for long in in, in supporting uh, companies like ourselves. And you know, and I think the key to our success to date has been to be able to keep exploring through the cycle, through the commodity cycle. And we've had a couple of joint ventures that have helped us do that. Um, so, you know, the usual challenges for a, a junior resources company, you know, funding probably number one, but certainly the re regulatory requirements for a small company can be uh, a bit of a challenge occasionally. Yeah. Um, obviously, you mentioned a, about funding, but I think, and I've been to a few conferences recently. I, I, I was over in uh, in Melbourne in back in October, um, and I uh, was in uh, Minds and Money in London as well in November. Um, and yep. I think uh, the way I, I suppose I see the market and what I hear is I think there's going to be money put into exploration over the, the coming X amount of years. I think there's going to be a big focus on and especially some of the bigger companies, I think they're actually, instead of going out to try and find junior miners, um, I think they're actually giving them, they're giving themselves bigger exploration budgets and actually going out there to try and find their own exploration. So I think there is going to be more funding within the exploration sector um, as we move forward into 2020 and beyond. Oh, I think you're right. Look, you know, there's been a, Really, there's been a dearth of um, of discoveries. Really, they're just you know the. I don't think uh, there's been enough exploration occurring to replace you know resources that are being uh, consumed. So yeah, look, I agree. I think, and certainly the commodities we're exploring for, you know, zinc. There's been very few significant discoveries of zinc and zinc and lead over the last uh, last decade or so. Uh, copper obviously is a different metal, you know, basket, 
there's a lot of low-grade opportunities in South America, but um, even copper, there hasn't been that much in the way of discovery. And there's so an I think, supply as well. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I just I just think copper's going to be coming a very main commodity, especially with electric vehicles, battery. They're talking all about that. And obviously that uses a lot of copper. And I don't think there's enough. There's not enough at the moment for the demand that they're anticipating. So I think that's definitely a commodity to watch. Yeah, I agree. Look, we've got quite a lot of exposure to commodity in our asset base. And, you know, there's a proposal to build a, a power line from Northern Territory to Singapore to uh, supply solar power to Singapore to, because they're relying on gas, I believe, um, for 100% of their energy. So this was only going to supply 20% or something of their daylight, I guess, uh, electricity needs. But uh, I had a look at it, and if my maths is right, they're going to need about 100,000 tonnes of copper for that pipeline, uh, you know, for that, that power line, I should say. Uh, you know, high-voltage direct current power line from Tennant Creek to Singapore. I mean, the world's going that way. The electrification of the world's going to continue. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be mandated to some degree. So I think the, you know, copper's in a very sweet spot going forward. Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, you mentioned, obviously, water issues. And again, what when I was over there um, a few months back, um, yeah, I, I saw the droughts. And I think it's been like that for the last year, year and a half and probably beyond that. How you, what, what, what are your thoughts around how you're gonna uh, get the water, obviously for your, for your operations, especially obviously with the drought going on, um, yep. what you're, uh, how, how are you gonna sort of so, solve those challenges? Well, look, groundwater is certainly, there's, it's quite plentiful. I mean, we hit water in a lot of our drilling um, and we use water for our, for lubricating our, our diamond drilling that we do. So we, we have to fill up sumps and then, the, you know, we pump the water back down to keep the drill bit cool and lubricate the hole as it goes. Um, yeah, look, I think there's, there is groundwater solutions to a lot of the, the challenges for new mine developments. Um, uh, but you just got to get out and do the work early. And it's interesting, one of the issues facing existing mines around Cobar at the moment is they're running out of water because they didn't have sufficient groundwater supplies to to deal with their situations but they're all they're scrambling at the moment and I think they're they're meeting that challenge you know in I think pretty trying circumstances so look I think we've got enough of a head start you know we know it's a challenge um, and we've already started investigating you know where we can tap into groundwater supplies, um, you know, in a way that's um, that, that's done properly um, to supply a mine. And obviously, you know, you can recycle your water if you, you know, if you go about doing it properly, you can, you can, you know, if you pump a tonne of water out of the ground, hopefully you, you can use it a couple of times um, before it leaves you again, you know? Yeah. Um, so what's unique about pill mining in the way you develop projects? Oh, look, we, we've, um, look, probably that I mentioned we've um, pushed through the commodity cycle. So we've been an exploration company for the last 12 years, and it's certainly a fair while, and I'm mindful that it, you know, can test the, 
the uh, patience of investors when you're doing that for so long. But we've had good success. But I think the uh, the thing that's made it hard for us to develop a, a mind to date is we haven't had a critical mass in any single discovery. Um, but we see the opportunity now that um, we've got a couple of discoveries that are sort of probably the equivalent of three quarters of a critical mass. And so if you put them together, you've got more than one and uh, they're within 50 kilometres of one another. So, you know, the opportunity to, uh, you know, have a central mill and a couple of different mines that you're pulling ore out of to feed that mill is real with us. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's jumping over, I guess, from being a pure exploration company now and we're moving into that transformation into a mine development company. Um, so yeah, that's, I guess the uniqueness is that we have been able to continue exploration through the cycle, you know, we never really switched the tap off. We, we kept drilling uh, one way or another and that's enabled us to, to make these discoveries which hopefully underpin our development going forward. Yeah, and so what's the challenges you're facing moving from an exploration company into an operator? Oh, look, the biggest one is, you know, is knowledge, you know, is expertise. Uh, look, we're really fortunate there. We've we've just brought a new director on board. His name's uh, Jim Simpson. He's a mining engineer. Uh, he lives pretty close to Cobar in a town called Orange. Um, he's been harvesting cherries lately. It's that time of the year here. Um, uh, but look, he, uh, he's, he's got a, a great depth of knowledge uh, as a mining engineer of these high-grade um, base metal rich deposits um, and we're certainly tapping into his knowledge and his contacts database you know to help us make that transition so I think the biggest issue is making sure you've got the right people uh, with the right skills to take you over the over the fence yeah um, can you provide us with any sort of drill results that you've had more recently look we've got uh, assays pending at the moment. We've had a couple of good hits recently. Um, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but we had a sort of a 40 meter intercept at our one of our prospects called Wagga Tank. Um, polymetallic, but it was pretty rich stuff overall. It had, you know, good good lead, zinc, copper, silver, and gold all in the one drill hit. Um, probably more significantly though. Uh, down at our Southern Knights prospect, which is all part of the same project, it's like a it's a VMS system. Um, right on the boundary, we've had a very high grade hit. We're waiting on assays; they should uh, should be out uh, not too far away. Um, yeah, that's the next uh, next uh, area that's um, of interest. It's literally on the resource boundary and on the edge of the system as we know it, and it's a it's it looks like a really high grade area. So. Uh, these things aren't usually very big, but um, the amount of metal that you can fit into a small area is is uh, compelling. Mm. Um, I've done some research and I hear that you won the uh, AMEC Prospector Award. Um, what's that mean to you? Oh, look, it's really important. It's a great acknowledgement. And, I, and look, for me, it's really reflecting our team. It's not me. It's... Um, I'm, I'm surrounded by really good people and, you know, really standing on their shoulders, I guess, in uh, having my name on the award. But it has gone to Peel Mining as well, you know. It's a team award and, um, 
yeah, look, the people who've won it before and the deposits that were discovered um, associated with those guys and girls, yeah, look, it's um, it's 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 a privilege, really. It's um, you know, it's like an Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> and it was. Do you what? What was the reason why you think you won it or Pill Mining won that? Yeah, look, we've made three discoveries in seven years in the one geological district, you know, so um, I think it does, I think there were one or two other winners who were given it for more than one discovery. Yeah. Uh, uh, but for us, I think, you know, what separates us from the others was that, you know, we these deposits aren't easy to find, uh, but we've been fortunate enough to find three. So, as I said, you know, there's a fair, a fair amount of luck, but... Uh, you make your own luck as well. Yes, yeah, Um, I've got a couple more questions. So, um, what's the? I suppose what's the future plans for for pill mining going forward? And I suppose where do you want where do you want the company to be in maybe three to five years time, or even up to ten years time? Yeah, look, in uh, the next two to three years time, I'm hoping hoping definitely in the next two we've pushed the button on a mine development. Yep. Um, or, or hopefully a couple of mines being developed at the same time. Uh, supporting a common mill would be ideal. Um, so in five years' time, I'm hoping we're building a war chest with the uh, with the cash flow that's being generated from those new mines. And look, in ten years' time, you know it's a a bit of a running joke in our office uh, amongst some of us, some of the older older guys in the team. Um, you know the new Western mining we. We have a high regard for Western Mining Corporation, a, a, an Australian icon of the mining industry that was unfortunately split up and sold off. And they they were very good at at the full um, spectrum of the mining industry, which means you know starting at grassroots exploration all the way through to you know really mining and mine closure. And they did you know they were they were a brilliant company and. I didn't work for them, but uh, I have a high regard for many of the people who did. And uh, and in my mind, there's not many companies like that left anymore. And so, you know, that would be uh, where I would love to see Peel in 10 years' time. You know, that we're we're the new WMC. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good thing and a good, I suppose, um, something to aim at. Um, especially, obviously, a successful like company like that and if you can get to close to that then I suppose you know that you've done something done something good as a company and uh yeah now that's something that's something good to uh, to aim for um just lastly um I do get a lot of um geology and exploration guys listen to this podcast um and what I've noticed as a recruiter the exploration Mark sector and even the geology sector in terms of the amount of jobs out there doesn't seem to be uh, in demand at this moment. That's from my perspective and what I see when I speak to uh, those types of uh, those types of candidates. How do you see the exploration market developing within Australia um, from your, I suppose, from your own perspective? Oh, look, I think it's, you know, you're right. It's been pretty tough. Um, and certainly we, you know, we get a few knocks on the door and people dropping off resumes. Um, look, I think it's going to pick up. I think gold's obviously in a, in a pretty strong position over here and there's been a lot of activity around that. So I'm certain there's been 
quite a lot of uh, recruitment around sort of exploration geologists in Western Australia for gold. I think it'll flow through to the, the rest of Australia as hopefully the commodities markets firm over the next 12 to 24 months. Um, you know, so I, I think the market is picking up generally, um, but it's, you know, it's fits and starts. It's, it's it certainly hasn't been a, a one-way bet, um, you know, and you, and I think, you know, if I was a, a young geo out there looking for a job, um, I think the best thing they can do is they just got to get on the front foot, get your CV looking top notch as best you can. And obviously, um, you know, hopefully having the qualifications and, and if you've got some experience, good experience to support it. But then, you know, really um, get your CV out in front of a lot of people like myself. I mean, we, we've hired probably three or four junior geos over the last uh, 24 months. Um, and there's a bit of rotation, but not a lot. I mean, most of our guys are pretty long term. Um, but there are opportunities for sure. So, yeah, you know, I'm hoping the market keeps picking up for everyone. Yeah, I certainly do as well. And again, to any uh, exploration geos or even geologists, um, as, as Rob mentioned, um, keep getting your CV out there. I think it's good to keep networking with people, whether you do that at conferences, networking events. Um, I think also approaching people directly, whether you find them through LinkedIn, for instance, or any other social media platform, or if you approach companies directly, there could be some companies or areas where you wouldn't mind working, where companies are actively doing work and mining in those particular jurisdictions or um, uh, whether it's WA, New South Wales, Northern Territory, Queensland, etc. Um, approaching them directly and just seeing what opportunities are about because sometimes there is job opportunities that are not evident. They're not on job boards, for instance, but they could be just waiting to bring someone on and they could come across your CV if you approach them. So yeah, just keep b being active in the market and things will things will come to you. The more persistent you are, the more chance you've yeah. got of securing something. So um, yeah, just want to see they add that on the end, especially being a recruiter. Yeah. No, very um, true. You make your own luck. You certainly do. Certainly do. Well, I really appreciate your time, uh, Rob, for, for taking the time to do this podcast. Um, if our audience wants to sort of connect with you and reach out to you, may have um, some questions around pill mining, how can they go about doing that? Oh, look, they can come through either info at peelmining.com.au or, uh, or direct rtyson at peelmining.com.au. Yeah. So, um, I was going to say, I might end up getting some, uh, <laughs> might get some inquiries thinking, get, getting me mixed up with yourself. So if that <laughs> does happen, obviously I will forward that, forward that on. So obviously you can also email myself and I can pass the, those messages or even CVs onto, onto Rob. So my email address is rob at mining-international.org. Are you also on any social media platforms? I'm on LinkedIn. Um, and that's about it. I'm, I'm not a big social media personality. And uh, um, yeah, so, but that's about it. Yeah. Okay, no worries. Um, well, I really appreciate your time again, Rob, uh, for doing this podcast. And obviously, this is the uh, beginning of 2020. So um, all the best for, for the future. And everyone that's listening, um, 
all the best for 2020 and that's make it a better better year than 2019 so um hope you enjoyed it hope you got something from it i certainly did um and until next time happy mining thanks for listening to dig deep the mining podcast if there are any topics you want discussed or questions you want to ask any guests then you can email us at rob at mining-international.org or you can follow Rob and Mining International on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter and YouTube for more content and to have your questions answered. Until next time, happy mining.